Hi everyone, welcome back to Songs and Such, the podcast where I discuss a different song every episode. Before we get started, I do want to remind you that there is an Instagram for the podcast, and it's just at Songs and Such Pod, so you can go over and follow that to be updated with every episode coming out, and also just some fun things I have planned for the future. And also, I do want to say, if you enjoy this episode, it would be amazing if you could rate the podcast five stars on whatever platform you're listening to it on. It truly helps me a lot, so I would be very thankful for that. So this episode will be on Taylor Swift's lead single from Midnight's, and that is Antihero. This is the third track from the Midnight's album, and it's the first track to have a music video, or like the first one to have a music video released. Also, this song has a billion streams on Spotify in under a year, so we know it's a hit song. And I kind of just want to go ahead and dive into the content of the song now. So the song starts with a very recognizable beat. Well, to us now anyways. And the first line we hear is, I have this thing where I get older, but just never wiser. Midnight's become my afternoons. So right away, we can tell this is going to be a song where she goes into a lot of detail about the way her brain works and how she feels about herself in a personal way. Just from the line, I have this thing where I get older, but just never wiser. Like that's obviously kind of a self-deprecating lyric. And I also want to point out in that line, it's the only time on the entire album that she says the name of the album, where she says, Midnight's become my afternoons. And then she follows that line with, when my depression works the graveyard shift, all of the people I've ghosted stand there in the room, which is such incredible wordplay in this song. Like to say you're lying awake at night because you can't sleep, and then comparing you going through your mind about past relationships to you working a graveyard shift and all of the people you've ghosted stand there in the room. It's actually so smart. It's like genius. So that's the end of the first verse. And then we get the pre-chorus, which starts with, I should not be left to my own devices. They come with prices and vices. I end up in crisis, which is basically her saying like, I should not be left with my own thoughts because I will misconstrue them in my head and I'll make myself look like a worse person rather than acknowledging that other people can be to blame too and then we have the line i wake up screaming from dreaming one day i'll watch as you're leaving because you've got tired of my scheming for the last time looking back on this line in present day is so obvious that at the time of her writing this her and joe joe allen the ex-boyfriend had to have been going through a lot and she was genuinely writing those words from the heart because she knew one day soon joe wasn't going to be able to quote handle it anymore end quote and by handle it i mean her fame because for some reason he didn't understand that he was getting into a relationship with one of the biggest pop stars of the world but anyways it's crazy to be able to go back to these songs with the perspective that we have now and see how taylor was really feeling at this time and that was the end of the pre-chorus now we can get into the chorus So the beginning of the chorus, we have that extremely popular line that shook the world when it was first heard, and that is, it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. This line is so TikTok coded and is actually such a great line to be used for short form content, which is another reason for the song blowing up to the extent that it did. This song was literally everywhere online. Also, this line really humanizes Taylor Swift to the world because most people would assume that, oh, if you're Taylor Swift level, you must not think you're doing anything wrong. 
or that everything you do is perfection, but it actually shows that she's also highly critical on herself, just like the everyday person. Maybe even more because imagine being Taylor Swift and you have hundreds of millions of people's eyes on you at all times. That is horrifying. Everything she does is on display to the world. Whether that be her relationships or her friendships or her business moves, everything is on display. Anyways, before I get carried away on my soapbox, let's come back to the song. So the next line in the chorus is, at tea time, everybody agrees, which is basically referencing the first line by saying that when everybody is gathering around to talk crap on Taylor Swift, everybody agrees that she's the problem. This is also highly referencing the idea that the public had on Taylor Swift around 2016 when Snake Gate was happening and everybody for some reason decided that Taylor Swift was the devil's spawn and she was completely self-absorbed and unlikable. It's amazing to think how like so much can change when the truth actually comes out in the end. And now her enemies are just riding away as she is on the biggest tour of all time. Back to the song though. The next line of the chorus is, I'll stare directly at the sun but never in the mirror. Now this line can be taken many ways. But I choose to see it as instead of Taylor looking in the mirror at herself and really working through her weaknesses or her biggest hurdles, she would rather stare at the sun, which is a harmful thing to do, and ignore those weaknesses because facing your own issues can be an extremely hard thing to do. This line also is kind of like one line in The Archer, which is the track five from the Lover album. And in that song, she says, I'll cut off my nose just to spite my face. I know a lot of people kind of made these, this correlation, and both songs deal with the idea of having to face problems you might be causing within your own life that can be hurting you in the meantime. And then the final line of the chorus is, it must be exhausting, always rooting for the anti-hero. In this line, she's referring to us, the fans, as we always have her back, always, and defend her when it comes to situations like Snake Gate and the whole 2016 issue, but also issues with her relationships and friendships and everything like that. Taylor is saying she's aware that a lot goes on in her life and that the fans are always there to back her up, but it must be getting exhausting because it happens all the time. I'll be the first and last one to say that it never gets exhausting and I'll always set the record straight when it comes to Taylor Swift because too many false accusations are said about Taylor Swift. But anywho, now we can move on to the second verse of the song. So the second verse starts with, sometimes I feel like everybody is a sexy baby. Now, this line confused a lot of people when the song first came out. Now we have some reasoning behind it, and it's from an episode of 30 Rock, apparently, where some of the characters are referred to as sexy babies as a commentary on people getting plastic surgery and Botox and stuff done to themselves to, like, appear younger as they get older, as if they're trying to be sexy babies. So Taylor is using this as a way of being like, no one wants to see the beauty and aging anymore, which is something she's kind of spoken about before, where I think it was in an interview for Miss Americana, she was saying that making the Lover album was going to be her last hoorah because she was turning 30 and that's the cutoff for being a star as a woman because after that you were just old and withered. She follows that line with, and I'm just a monster on the hill, which is kind of referencing herself being a monster because she hasn't gotten any work done to like her face or her body. And then the on the hill refers to a saying of being over the hill, which is like 
turning 40, I believe. Once you turn 40, you're like over the hill. So she is saying that she's still on the hill because she's only 33, but she's close to being over it. But then that line also has to do with the next one, which is too big to hang out, slowly lurching towards your favorite city, pierced through the heart, but never killed. So she's saying like she can't have normal friendships or relationships with anybody because of how famous she is. It's totally invasive in every part of her life and anything she does or someone she knows does will be torn apart by the media and fans. It's a toxic space for her to be in where she just wants to be able to have normal friendships but it unfortunately just isn't an option for her to do so because of how massive her life is. And then we get to the second pre-chorus, which is, in fact, different from the first one, of course. So, in the second one, she says, Did you hear my covert narcissism I disguise as altruism like some kind of congressman? Which is so many words that go together to basically mean that the public perceives her being honest and truthful as just a ploy, and she really, behind the scenes, is a massive narcissist that has only bad intentions, which is, by the way, crazy. And then she follows that with, I wake up screaming from dreaming, one day I'll watch as you're leaving and life will lose all its meaning. So the life will lose all its meaning part is different from the first pre-chorus because in the first one she says, because you got tired of my scheming. And then in this one she says, and life will lose all its meaning. But she's saying that if her lover leaves, then she will have no meaning for life. She will feel like she failed. But honestly, seeing as how everything has gone down, I think it's probably a really good thing that she's no longer with that man anymore. But I digress. Then we have the chorus again, which is the same as the first one. But then after that, we get the bridge. So the bridge goes, I have this dream. My daughter-in-law kills me for the money. She thinks I left them in the will. The family gathers around and reads it. And then someone screams out, she's laughing up at us from hell. Now, this bridge holds a lot, so she's saying that even when she has had a family and lived her life, even after the end of her life, there will still be people that don't care about her and want to just use her for what she has or had, even when it is her own family. But there's a twist, and she really left them nothing because she's a mastermind and always knows people's intentions, and overall the only thing that matters to her is her cats. And you know what? You gotta respect that. And there's also the part at the end where she says she's laughing up from hell, which is just a nod to people who say she's going to hell for whatever reason. Who knows? Finally, we have the breakdown in the song where she just repeats the it's me, hi, I'm the problem, it's me. And then she also says everybody agrees. And at the end of the last time she says agrees, she holds out the S as a nod to her being a snake. So she goes like, everybody agrees. So much love, Kim K. Thank you so much, ma'am. And then the song finishes with the chorus and that's it. That's the whole song. Overall, this song will go down and already has gone down as one of her greatest hits ever. The meaning behind the lyrics along with the sound of the song itself is so catchy and it's just a great little tune for the Midnight's album. Well, I think I have rambled on about this song enough. Um, I hope you enjoyed this episode. I do want to remind once again that there is an Instagram for the podcast. It is at songs and such pod. So you can go over there and follow that. And I hope to see you here again in my little podcast world very soon. Bye.